We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. On this episode of Drinks with Binks, I'm back in the USA, baby, and snug as a bug in a rug in my New York City closet, which is fitting as we welcome in senior investigative reporter from The Athletic, Katie Strang, who started her career in the Big Apple, staking out the likes of Plaxico Burris and the Steinbrenners. She takes us through what it was like to be an NHL insider for ESPN and what kind of emotional toll investigative reporting takes. We also discuss her thoughts on NHL analyst Mike Milbury, and if you read her piece on him in The Athletic, you'd know that she's tired of this shit. Grab some H2O, baby. We are hydrating today. Welcome on into Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks, and I am back in the United States of America. It was a wonderful journey in Canada, God's country, where a country taking a pandemic seriously, you know, all that great stuff. And I'm back in my New York City closet, and you know what? It's great to be home. Literally nothing has changed. Uh, I sit, and I work from here, and I eat from here, and I sleep from over there. So it's nice to have a bit of familiarity back. But you know what was really nice coming home, too? was this bad boy uh, won a telly award or a, a telly award I feel like I have to talk in a British accent when I win this telly award and uh, this was for a show that currently is not on the air right now but we are in a global pandemic call it a night uh, and I don't know how or why or what really this is for but you know what it's pretty nice and it looks great on this bookshelf a um, little bit better than this guy that was sort of like masquerading as an award before. And you know what? We do what we can here in this pandemic. So I just wanted to show off that award that really I have no ideas for. But in better and bigger news, we have an awesome guest on our show today. Someone that I've known for a very long time when she was doing something very different than she's doing right now. Today, we are welcoming in senior investigative reporter from The Athletic, Katie Strang. She spent six years at ESPN.com as a writer, reporter, insider for the NHL and MLB. She's a mom of two. She's doing the damn thing. Uh, Katie, <laughs> thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Thanks for having me. I feel honored. I know it's been, I'm uh, glad to have you back in the country. 
Thank you. Yes, it was uh, it was sort of a bit ominous crossing the border there. I was telling my coworkers, they asked me, so what is the purpose of your visit? And I was like, I live here. Um, I don't know how many people are going this way. So they're probably just concerned at the moment. But it is, you know, it's it's obviously going to be back in New York City. And I know you know New York well. It is people say it's dead. It's gone. It's but it's not. It's like it's still it's still got its, it's je ne sais quoi. It's like, it's, it's excitement. You know, what's weird is during this pandemic, um, I think I've had a, so I live in like the suburbs of Michigan now, which is where I'm from. And I've had a lot of people be like, Oh my God, you must be so glad you're not in New York right now. Um, and actually this is one of the times where I've missed it most Mm. because I feel like there's such a level of like connectivity and community in New York, right? Like you're living on top of each other. You're in people's Mm -hmm. faces. Um, There's no other alternative. And I feel like I've really missed that, you know, and when we're all like craving human connection and like random interactions and connectivity, like you never want for that in New York. I really miss that. That is an interesting positive spin on this situation. Cause I would say the opposite of like, I will leave this apartment with like full hazmat suit on and run in, <laughs> literally run into someone just like in that moment. But you do mention it. It is everyone here, including all of our staff for the most part that work on the show are based in New York city. We've all had to deal with this in different ways. And, and you just feel that people in New York, They've done a good job with the pandemic. It was really tough. Everyone did what they're supposed to do and everyone's seen it be really difficult. And like, we don't want to go back to that. And I feel like I brought that to Canada being like, hey, guys, you know, it was really big down there. But if you don't take it, like do it properly, it could go back to that. But let's get into some more fun stuff. And by fun stuff, I mean, what are we drinking here today, Katie? What do we got on the menu? Oh, I'm going to disappoint you by telling you that I have water. (laughs) Like, it's so boring. Um, But I am trying to (laughs) thank you for making me feel um, less vanilla here but um i'm trying to get better like desperately at hydrating Mm -hmm. there is not anything like any trick of the trade that i have found that helps at all so i'm i'm here for any advice that you have let's take it let's take a a cheers to cheers um, to h2o what are we toasting to today katie um to having you back in the country I wish we could claim you as our own. Um, you never and, will. Yeah. And to women in hockey, like our yes. little hockey sorority, which is such a mighty tribe that I love. Cheers to women in hockey. Cheers, Let's dude. Oh, ladies. All right. H2O. Mm. So you're at least drinking out of a, like a cute glass yes drinking out of a very that's how i always drink my water out of cute glasses katie so we've all you know we were mentioning we're working from home for this entire time you're working at home but you're also mom you got two kids how has this entire pandemic been for you chaos um you know sort of like a new baseline of chaos and uh you know, like any, I mean, everyone's just basically like struggling to keep their head above water, I'm sure during this pandemic. And I mean, I'm certainly no different with two kids. I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old and they're, <laughs> they're like both fourth liners. Like they've both got like very fourth line attitudes and mentalities. Um, and so they keep us on our toes. And my husband is a saint. He actually takes care of the girls um, for the bulk of the day. And he tries to like, we try to kind of 
toggle and pass on and off um, so that he has a flexible work schedule so that he can do more nights and weekends. But he's a former teacher um, and a coach. So he has like the education background and he's like a good disciplinarian Perfect. and a wonderful father, most importantly. So <laughs> he's been like doing the heavy emotional lifting for the both of us. But I mean, it's just, you know, it's just survival mode. Like I always mm -hmm. tell people like throughout this pandemic, anyone that's trying to like thrive, although you have really, so we'll get to that. No, but it's I feel like anyone Instagram that's trying to reality. thrive right now <laughs> is like doing it all wrong. Like it's just survive in advance, which is, mm -hmm. you know, generally my parenting philosophy, but even more so during the pandemic. You know, credit to you with having some help there, but I still believe that, you know, you said you're solo parenting here today. Like at any moment, you know, your fourth liners could come in there and just start, start uh, sucker punching you. So mm -hmm. you never know. And they do. They definitely do that. Yeah. And in, in more ways than one. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, we have a whole lot we want to get to with Katie Strang here today. And as I mentioned, Katie is an investigative reporter just reporting on very serious issues at the intersection of many times sexual assaults and sports. And it is uh, just just a very interesting domain to be a part of, but also one that requires a certain level of uh, a different type of personality disposition, I'm sure. But we want to get to that and a whole lot more when we come back after the break. So guys, don't go anywhere. We are drinking and binking with Katie Strang from The Athletic. Hi, I'm Roman Rojas, and on the first episode of the Roman Rojas podcast, I talked to my friend Danilo Alvarez about how a night of fun and partying in Cali, Colombia ended up with him being kidnapped, along with his girlfriend Geraldine, and how they were able to get out of this horrible situation. We were staying at my dad's house. At the time, he lived outside the city, about 30 minutes out of the city, and, um, and he begged us not to go down to the city to celebrate my cousin's birthday but you know we had been staying with him for a few days we hadn't moved we hadn't seen anything outside his house just to just to make sure nothing bad happened but that night we said you know let's just take one chance and and go down to the city join me every week in my conversations with people that have incredible stories to tell subscribe to the roman rojas podcast on iHeartRadio, apple Podcasts, spotify or your favorite platform What's up, everybody? My name's Jackie Redman, and I had non-alcoholic drinks with Binks. It was still fun. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> <laughs> Hey guys, welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. We've got the Athletics' Katie Strang here today. She is a senior writer, investigative reporter for the publication, and we are sipping on a little H2O, which is what I imagined you would pick because I always drink what my guest picks, um, except for Dan Patrick, of which I forced champagne on him. But that's that's the old me. But I knew that first of all, with your responsibilities, your um, work. Like, I don't imagine a whole lot of alcohol is being consumed these days. Actually, it is just after <laughs> work hours. 
Totally. Um, right, in fact, I feel like it's later. a fundamental yeah. Yeah, tenet of surviving my work sometimes. Yes, actually, that is very true. Um, as, as we mentioned, Katie deals with a lot of very heavy topics, which we're going to get to in a second. But before she worked in this realm, you were with ESPN for many years, and I met you at the 2014 Stanley Cup playoffs. You were working with them as an NHL insider. And I'm going to get to that in one second. But before that, like... I mean, I came to the country seven years ago, so I sort of just learned about you, learned about everything when I got to this country. What did you do before you were at ESPN and sort of what was the catalyst getting you involved with sports reporting? So I always wanted to be a sports reporter, like ever since I was like in middle school, I did like an internship with the sports editor of our local newspaper. Um, I'm sure there was like some intrinsic self-awareness that I wasn't a good enough athlete. Unlike you, I was not a good enough athlete to like see my athletic career uh, go beyond high school. Um, But I think I like, you know, was really attracted to sports and wanted to find a way to stick in it. And so reporting was something I was always super interested in. Um, So I was always interested in doing that. Um, I was a broadcast major, uh, in undergrad, but then I went to grad school for print journalism out in New York, um, which is how I ended up in New York. And then my first job was working at Newsday, one of the New York tabloids um, in the sports department as like a GA or general assignment reporter. So I was very young um, on the like low rung of the totem pole there. So I was getting a lot of the um, less appealing assignments, um, more of like the grunt work. Um, I like what? what's an example of one. So a big thing in like, and I don't even know if this is as big of a thing anymore, but like back in the day, um, the, <laughs> there are like two really unsavory assignments, like, you know, the man, the man on the street assignment. So like if something big happens, in, in the sports world, like, you know, Derek Jeter retires, right? Like you go and you just interview random people on a New York street corner to like get their feelings on it. Um, I, I actually didn't mind that. I liked doing that. And I, like, I actually found those to be like somewhat fun and invigorating. Um, but like another big one was like, if a coach gets fired, you get sent to stake out their house. What? Really? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if that's as much any, like there was definitely, um, like during the sort of apex of like, you know, the Steinbrenner era, like there was definitely like kind of like stakeouts devoted to him because sometimes he would say things that were like super colorful or incendiary or what have you. Um, but whenever there would be like something significant happened, like stakeouts were a big thing. So if a a big time, you know, athlete in the area was getting surgery, like I cannot tell you the amount of times I've stood outside on the corner of hospital special surgery in New York, or like I have staked out like, you know, probably four to five coaches and players houses for like days at a time. Um, Okay. So um, first of all, whose, whose house have you staked out? Um, So, one of the more the the one of the longer ones was Plaxico Burris. Um, mm-hmm. Do you remember when he shot himself yes, like in the club? So that was like a three day stakeout. Um, and actually, so this the one sort of like silver lining of that is like my best friend and roommate um, Jenny Vrentis, who is a senior writer for um, yes. MMQB. 
she was on the stakeout too. So like we could carpool, we could like commiserate, we could like, you know, just gossip and talk like while we were doing it. Right. Um, so that was a silver lining, but like at one point during, if I'm remembering this correctly, and I hope I'm not like conflating events and I'll ask her about this afterwards for verification. But at one point during the stakeout, um, and it's like in suburban Jersey, and there was a bear on the loose in like this very like bougie gated community. Um, so that added like an extra level of batshit crazy to an already pretty wild situation. Um, Willie Randolph, I, I definitely sat in front of his house for like probably three days straight. And I remember he like yes. caught me like put, he like caught me putting on my makeup one time. And like when he finally came out and he was like, he said something like, you don't need all that blush or something like really funny or whatever, but it was mildly embarrassing, I'm sure at the time. So then, so when you went to go stakeout places, like what's involved? Are you just like Miss Lippy's car is green? Like, how do you, what do you follow? So you, you like wait to see, like, you know, there are laws about like, you know, you can knock on someone's door, but if they tell you they don't want to talk or that you like have to leave, you you know, you can't stay on their property and keep harassing them. But like you literally park your car in their driveway. And so that like when they go to get the mail, like you can shout questions at them like paparazzi kind of. Um, and I always tell people like that this is like the one true thing where I feel like women are at a disadvantage because it's like when you have to go to the bathroom, it's not as easy as just like taking a piss on the side of the road. Right. You know what I mean? Did you ever knock and be like, please just let me use the main bathroom? So you would make, sometimes you'd have to broker deals. Like because of like the way New York tabloid culture is like, you can't leave if the daily news and the New York post are still there. Right. Cause if something happens and they, they get the story and you don't like, you're going to get fired. And and like, that was like very much the understanding. So people would sometimes like broker deals. Like if they had to go to the bathroom, like, Hey, either like it's sort of mutual assured destruction. Like we all go to the bathroom at the same time and lose out on the story. (laughs) But like, but sometimes like I remember hearing like urban legends of people like sort of, you know, being a double agent in that respect, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's definitely like all like make a pact to leave. And then like someone would circle back. 100% that would happen in New York. They'd be like, sure. I got your back. And then boom, Lord of the flies. Exactly. Yeah. So then, um, just, uh, you know, I could obviously do a whole, whole interview on this <laughs> okay. in particular. Did you have a successful stakeout and with who? Oh gosh. I'm sure. Like I, people are always like, it, people surprise you. And that's why I'm like a big, I'm a big like believer in like, even when something terrible happens to someone, like you should always give them like the chance to talk. Cause sometimes they want to talk. Um, especially like when it's something like, you know, most of us that have come up like through journalism school or like had to do like, you know, entry level jobs at journalism places like obituary writing is a really, really fundamental part of the backbone of a, of a newspaper, a news outlet. And I think there's great, terrific value in learning to like knock on doors of strangers and ask them about, you know, things that are tremendously important and sometimes tragic to them. Like it, it really like can, forces you to confront um, fears, but also like really, I think instructs you how to report with empathy. And I think it does teach you that sometimes 
people want their loved ones to be remembered. They want to know that people care. They want to feel like those stories are worth being told and that it can be like very cathartic to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And all those things are, are skills and experience that you use now in your job, which funny totally. enough was the beginning of your career. And then now I'm sure you probably don't even think twice of the things you learned at that point in investigative reporting. We have a whole lot more that we want to get to with Katie Strang from The Athletic. Don't go anywhere. You might find out who she's who she's followed. Maybe it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. To show you how easy it is to file a claim with Geico, we hired a soap opera star. Gracious me, my car has storm damage and I've had to file a claim. Could it possibly get worse? Will my claims team leave me for someone else? Someone less intense? Um, no. Actually, when you file a claim with Geico, you get your own dedicated claims team who promises to stay with you throughout the process. Oh, I've never known such loyalty. I can't wait for the second season. Geico, great service without all the drama. Hey, I'm Katie Nolan, and I had drinks with Banks, and I loved it. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. We've got Katie Strang from The Athletic here, and we were just discussing her early moments in the industry, working for Newsday and staking out coaches and players and just a, a wild experience to have, which, of course, now has is helping her in the investigative world and just having these skills that many of us would never even never even fathom having to go up to someone's house and talk to them after their child has died or, um, you know, they've been uh, accused of assault or different things like this, which are very heavy topics. And but before you have gotten to where you are now, when I met you at the 2014 playoffs, the Stanley Cup playoffs, you're working with ESPN as an NHL insider. And I was just so enamored by you and your and what you were doing, because when I grew up, I really wanted to be an NHL insider. And I always looked at the Bob McKenzie's and Pierre Lebrun's and Darren Dreggers. And it was like, that's that's who it is. That's it. You know, and then seeing Oh, Katie Strang, like this woman from ESPN, this is really badass. And what was that like for you becoming really like you were the only female in that regard? I mean, it was awesome, largely because like that team of people around me at ESPN was so great. Um, I mean, we like joke about it, but like now we are all at the athletic together again. So it was like definitely our version of like getting the band back together. Um, But like, I mean, such amazing people like to work with and learn from, you know, Pierre Lebrun, Scotty Burnside, Craig Costins, like three of, you know, the, probably the closest. Yeah, they're all at the I've, athletic. Yeah, I've ever had. And as is one of our editors, who's awesome, Sarah Goldstein. Um, so like, they were great teammates, like just from the get go, like helped me with anything, like amplified my voice, made connections, like introduced me to people that they knew, like vouched for me. And so like, I mean, they were just such tremendous, like advocates and allies. And they're great dudes, right? Like they're three of my best friends, you know, like they were at my wedding. Um, so like, they're just awesome people. And I'm like, so thrilled that we all get to work together again. So it was, it was an amazing experience. Like we had so much fun. I remember that, um, playoff, like, I remember that playoff run actually like really sort of viscerally. Um, it was, cause it was right before I got married. And, um, it, so it was like a, a stressful time and they like helped get me through it for sure. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, that that is a lot to add up at once. And then I guess it's really great to have your coworkers that were so supportive of you. And, and, and it does help when you have male coworkers that sort of say, hey, you know, if you haven't been in this space before, you know, come here. This is like, there's a lot for us all to eat at this table together. What was it like when, when maybe teams hadn't seen a person, like hadn't seen a person like you hadn't seen a woman uh, being an insider before? How do, how was that all like, like athletes and coaches and whatnot? Yeah. I mean, I would say like, I didn't have a huge problem with that probably only because like I did work as a beat writer um, in New York for several years before I was elevated to that role. So you know, I, I had covered the Islanders as a beat writer for Newsday for a few years. And then I had covered like New York hockey, um, all three teams for a few years before I was elevated to a national role. So like in the teams that I was sort of covering a lot, like they, they had a pretty good familiarity with me Mm -hmm. and like, you know, the type of stuff that I did and how I did my job. So I didn't find a ton of like barriers for entry when it, when it came to that, but you know, I would be naive to think that them vouching for me and, you know, making those connections for me in some ways um, didn't really help. Like, I mean, I think they did. Like, I think all of us need allies and advocates in this business. Um, you know, I try to I try to pay that forward, like with young people coming up, too, because I remember how that feels to like you know, feel like you have so much catching up to do. And it, it's hard to go from like covering a beat where like, you know, you belong, you know, like the daily minutia, like, yes, you know, there's a certain level of currency of every day and being able to rate with authority. But when you're like parachuting in on national stories and like trying to break trades and stuff like that, it's, it's hard to like bridge that gap of like cultivating connections with people and cold calling them and, you know, developing real like rapport and relationship. That's not like transactional where you're just asking them for information, but you're building a relationship. Yeah. And getting them to trust you right too, with, with inside information. And to that point, Darren Drager helped me when I was younger, just to give you a shout out. We both, we, when I was a young pup in Regina, trying to get a scoop on a player and I was a bit green, but me and him both sort of battled a bit on it. Like I think Drake's and I would say that. And uh, then when I came to Toronto, we said, Hey, come on in. We did. He let me sit in on like an insider phone call and was like, this is how I go about my business. Like I'm going on insider trading on, on TSN, but I'm going to talk to this GM. This is what I'm, how I'm going to do it. Cause I need something, but I also, this is what I want. They're going to give me this. So he kind of like showed me some different things. I was like, well, that was nice. He didn't have to do that. Um, but I know I was still right and beat him on that scoop, <laughs> but it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely, uh, you gotta have your elbows out. That's for sure. I'm sure those guys do that in a loving way with one another too. Um, okay. So let's, let's get up to speed. You decided to go to the athletic and you were, you've been there for a while. Like what was the decision to go from ESPN to the athletic? Yeah. So <clears throat> I had not to, um, when I made the jump to the athletic, I had recently had a baby, um, my first child. And, um, I was actually, I took a brief de- detour where I was covering baseball and <clears throat> I was not very happy covering baseball. I was working as a like baseball beat writer. Um, and I, after maternity leave, they basically were like, you got to either go back on the road as a baseball beat writer, or we're going to, you know, put you in sort of a non-editorial position. Um, so it, I was in like this very dark, vulnerable place where I felt like my career was kind of over. Um, like at least the career that I wanted was over and feeling very much like 
between a rock and a hard place of like, you know, I didn't, I was still navigating like motherhood and what that looked like and my career. And I didn't really understand how I was going to be able to achieve both in a very substantive way. Um, and then Craig Custins called and, um, you know, we were both at ESPN at the time and he was like, I think I'm going to make this move and I'd like you to come with me. And knowing Craig and that, like, if he had made that decision, like I trust him implicitly, everything he does is great. He's such a terrific coworker. He's my boss now. And I, you know, never had a better boss. Um, I trust his judgment. Like, and so it, it was a very short conversation. I said, yep. And I discussed it with my husband that night and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. And what a move too, because the athletic just keeps getting bigger and bigger and is such a, a, an incredible source of journalism and information and really endorsing and helping a lot of these young reporters, as you mentioned, beat writers around the country and all these different sports. We have a whole lot more you want to get to with Katie and the athletic and a number of very difficult pieces that she has had to write that are incredible reads, but have, I'm sure come at a very emotional um, price. We've got a whole lot more on that when we come back on Drinks With Things. Geico knows there are many reasons why you ride. From the exciting adventure of the daily commute to the peace of mind that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service and legendary customer service. But Pamela Mund had one reason in particular. My skin is extremely averse to most fabrics, except for the soft, buttery feeling of leather. Thankfully, I found my clan of leather lovers in the biking community. It's been life-changing. Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Jamel Hill, and I had drinks. Ah, with beaks. Ah, and I'm still standing. Ah, I mean, I'm sitting. See, that should let you know how drunk I am. Drinks with beaks. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm Julie Stewart Binks. We've got Katie Strang from The Athletic, and we were just hearing about her decision to join the publication. And Katie, now you are an investigative reporter, journalist, how did you arrive in this lane? So I was doing a little bit of that at ESPN, not like totally investigative per se, but I was dealing with like a lot of the hard news and a lot of the intersection of like sports and crime and sports and the law. And I found that I really liked that. Um, I really wanted to do more of that at ESPN, but like, you know, they have such a, an amazing crop of talent there. Like they didn't need any of my, my help. Like, um, and so I didn't feel like, you know, I saw like a real pathway for that, um, for me there. And so that was actually one of the selling points of the athletic is, you know, the co-founders like really sold us on, um, you make this job what you want. Like we are big believers that like, you're going to create the best content, like about stuff that you're passionate about. Um, so you carve out your own niche and like, see where it goes and we'll support you in doing that. And so, I mean, that kind of got like the ball rolling. I would say like, I didn't really kind of transition into that in a more, you know, concrete way until um, I covered the Nasser trial for us, like the Nasser, Larry Nasser MSU case for us in 2017. Um, and I feel like that really, once I covered that, I, I realized that that was something that was really important to me that I wanted to continue doing. And I felt like I did my best work when, when, when I realized that and when I kind of channeled that energy into the work in that way. And I feel like, 
everyone at the athletic was very supportive of me doing that type of work, even though it wasn't like something that we had traditionally kind of done before. And so they really empowered me to keep doing it. And you've spoken about covering the Larry Nasser case and and the victims and all these stories and how it affected you, uh, you know, carrying um, an immense emotional burden with it. What what was it like? Like, yeah, what was it like doing that? And how were you able to, if you could, um, distance yourself or sort of turn off your work and have the rest of your life? Yeah, I mean, I didn't do that. I didn't do a very good job of that at all. And and I think in some ways that helped, in some ways that hurt. Like, so I feel like, I mean, there just was no, I, I have never covered anything that like hit me in such a visceral impactful way. And I'm, I'm probably because I was pretty close to it. Like, you know, I went to Michigan state. Um, I, on the first day of victim impact statements, my high school basketball teammate went up there to give hers. I had no idea. Um, I was competitive gymnast growing up. My coach growing up went to jail for criminal sexual misconduct. Um, so there were always like all these like kind of crazy, super parallel. A lot of these girls, I mean, some of the girls were super young. I was a new, a relatively new mom. I'm sure probably still very hormonal. Like, like I was just feeling a lot of feelings, right? Like every day. And what I tried to do is like channel those emotions into my work. And I, and I do feel like that is part of why I'm really proud of like the work that I produced at that time. Um, because even though it did come at an emotional cost is I feel like it meant a lot to me. And I think that resonated. Mm -hmm. That being said, like there were like some very, you know, sort of darker manifestations of that. Like I would get like debilitating headaches and cry a lot. And, you know, I mean, it was, it was really emotionally like difficult to deal with um, to the point where like, I like went to a therapist to talk about it, like about, you know, it's just a lot like it's and I felt kind of silly doing that at first, actually, because you look at all these things like that, these like just amazingly courageous, like young women go through and they like have the courage and the resolve to like go up there by name, confront him in person, tell the whole world their story. And I'm like, I felt like really shitty about like how um, emotional, it like made me feel as just like a bystander. Right. But, you know, secondary trauma is very real and, um, self-care is really important when you deal in dark subject matter. Um, and that was like a super healthy decision for me that I always try to like encourage other writers, like, Hey, if stuff starts like piling up and feeling dark and unmanageable, like it's really healthy and good to talk to someone, um, about it. So that's been good for me you're seeing so much of it all at once when you're talking to all these people and like in that case and then with your work still now because you've done a lot with sexual assault and sports Mm -hmm. and sort of how that has has played a role in both of those elements um how do you approach talking to your subjects because it's it's very sensitive material and as you mentioned you kind of it can be emotional you want to get as much information out of them but you also have to tread carefully yeah and i i definitely try to like be much more sort of like professional and like less emotional um than i than i probably did that i mean that was a learning experience for me right like and i wasn't i i didn't really know what i was doing and so i i learned from that and i i think empathy and emotion is a, a really positive thing to have when yes. you're um, reporting on stuff like that. Cause it shows your humanity. And ultimately that's what you want to convey 
um, in the person that you're talking to, like you want to convey their sense of dignity and humanity and, um, in, and be able to tell their story in a very nuanced, thoughtful way. Um, one of the things, like I've, I've done like a decent amount of research on like trauma informed reporting. And so I try to be really mindful of that. Um, you know, one of the things I am mindful of is like, you know, trauma has like a very real, like physiological effect, like it rewires your brain. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, victims and survivors sometimes remember events in like a nonlinear fashion. And so sometimes you have to be mindful of that when you ask questions to not necessarily like try to nail them down in sequential form, but like ask about feelings and emotions and like sort of try to get into the space of where they were at when, when that happened, um, you know, avoiding judgment, right? Like not making them feel like any of their decisions played a factor into what happened to them. And also realizing that like who they are, you know, before, during, and after this is like very much part of their story too, that what happened to them does not define them. Um, but I think like the main thing is like empathy and like realizing that like, you know, people who are victims of sexual assault or domestic violence, um, intimate partner violence, like oftentimes like they feel like a sense of control um, was really taken away from them. And so I try to make people feel as comfortable as possible. So like let them set parameters of like where and when we talk, how long they want to talk for, if they need to take breaks, like try to really make them understand like that they're in the driver's seat and um, that we can go at their speed and that, you know, I'm here to listen with empathy. I of course have a journalistic obligation to verify and I, I take them through all that just so, um, you know, nothing comes as a surprise, but also they feel a level of comfort and control. Yeah, that's I mean, that's such a, a great way to go about it, too, as uh, I, I can't even imagine you're just doing that's one element of it all is just trying to make who you're talking to feel comfortable. But also you have, uh, as you mentioned, a deadline and you have uh, a story you have to write. And I'm also now curious about how you you manage that side of your brain with all this but we have to take a quick break we'll have a whole lot more with katie strength from the athletic on her investigative reporting when we return on drinks with things good afternoon would you like to try a free sample of our double fudge brownie oh sure mm, that's very good I i'll just take one more just to be sure yep still very good some things never change like never being able to take just one free sample. And Geico saving folks lots of money on their car insurance. Mmm, is that macadamia nut I taste? Let me take one more. Sir, mm. yeah, I thought so. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Welcome on back to Drinks with Binks. We are sipping on some H2O with Katie Strang from The Athletics. Great, got a gotta hydrate folks and we've just been discussing the world of investigative reporting and i'm curious you know we live in a world where we want information instantly people want to be first uh you know like just the bite-sized sort of snacks on twitter your your features your stories are so much more in depth and take so much longer to come to fruition have you ever done a story when you are you're in it and you realize like, maybe this doesn't have the legs that uh, I thought it did. Sure. 
yeah, that happens. Um, that happens for sure. And like, you have to know when sometimes it's a matter of like assessing, like, do I not have what I need because I haven't done enough reporting done enough from my effort standpoint, or is this, um, is this not going where I, where I thought it might go? And, you know, I think some of that is just experience and like some of that is instinct. Um, and, you know, I mean, these stories, like they're, they're very sensitive and they have to meet a certain journalistic rigor. And, um, you know, the more that I report on them, the more I get a sense of what it will take to take a story across the finish line. Um, how long does that take? Like from conception to publication? So I, I use like the one story that I use kind of like as a benchmark for this is like, I've been working on, I would say like a broader investigation for the past 10 months. Um, and the first, from the first tip to the first story that I wrote, I've written about seven, six or seven stories as a part of like a broader series, um, involving this particular investigation from first tip to first story was four months. So it took a long time. Um, and it, you know, I was definitely working on other things in addition to that at first, but once it became clear to me that there was like quite a bit of substance there, I really drilled down. And I mean, it was, you know, I think for the first piece I interviewed between 150 and 200 people. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. So what kind of, what kind of level of patience is required to do something like this where it's like, we want to, you know, we want to be Adam Schefter and tweet out the Tyrod Taylor story or something like. Yeah. It's and different. it's not even that, like, I don't feel like competitive, like from a news scoop angle, because it's like so much more like sensitive and nuanced than that. But like, it does require patience and I'm not a particularly patient person. I'm actually like very, um, that impatient. Me. And so, <laughs> so like, and, and also because like, once people start sharing their stories, like you also feel responsible to like deliver for them, right? Like to be able to tell their story in a way, in a timely fashion and in a way that like really conveys like the gravity and the nuance of the situation. Um, and it's hard to do. It's like, these are just hard to execute. Um, and the margin for error is very slim. Um, so it requires like, not just like the, like just super in-depth reporting and like, you know, the writing process is painstaking and I never like that part of it, but like the fact checking and like the verification process, like that takes a long time too. So they're heavy lifts, which is like why I write so infrequently and sometimes feel guilty about that. But like, it takes a lot of time to deliver something like worthy of, you know, the subject matter. Yeah, well, they're they're great stories, and they just go in such a such level of of depth and and interest that is that you we don't see um, in so many different ways today. Okay, so but a very different story that you wrote recently, which was not a, a huge investigation, more of an opinion based piece, is on NHL analyst Mike Milbury, and it was, "Do we honestly have no better options than Mike Milbury?" Which just the title alone is. And so this was in response to him saying there's not even any women here to disrupt your concentration based on the NHL bubble and how there's just uh, there, you know, a lack of distractions insinuating women are distractions insinuating women are objects. Katie, um, we talked a little bit about this before you wrote this article. What were the feelings you harbored that made you say, I got to write this? 
I'm actually really glad that you and I did talk because I think talking like before I decided to write, I did talk to a couple people um, that I trust, including yourself. Um, And that helped things crystallize for me a little bit. And I should note that the like the original like headline suggestion was I'm tired of this shit, um, which is entirely how I felt. Um, So here's how how it kind of went for me. Like I, you know, was obviously pissed when I heard it at the time, slept on it. Um, And then the next day, like was talking to some people like in hockey, including you. And at first, like the conversations were like, did you hear what Mike said last night? And I was like, yeah, that, you know, like, I think my reaction was like, not surprised. Like, and that's Mike. And then I started to think about it. I'm like, that's really up. Like, and and I also started to kind of like harbor maybe some like anger towards myself that I'm like, how, like, how backwards is that? That like, I'm just willing to accept that, like, that's, that's the sort of behavior we've become like inured to and we're going to continue. And I'm like, no, like, we've got to be done with this. You know what I mean? Like, I think all of us right now, like, sort of, you know, it does feel like we are at some point of like societal reckoning compounded with like the amount of stress that everyone's dealing with, with the pandemic. Like my bullshit quota is like completely like it's met. So mm-hmm. like, I don't have a ton of time for like anything that exceeds that right now. And that's how I felt. Like, I'm just, I, I mean, so many women like in this business will tell you this, like, we're just tired. Like, it's not even just anger, but it's just like an extreme in your bones exhaustion of like mm-hmm. all the things that you have to deal with, all the indignities that like are required for you to just like get past the entry door. Right. And like, I think, I don't remember who said this, but it's like, it was so perfect, but someone was like, you know what? Just like the cost of admission is so high. And I think like, especially for me, the older that I get, like, I'm like, I just do not want this to, I mean, it just doesn't have to be this way anymore. Like we have, we have options. And like, that's the whole point with like the military thing is like, there are a ton of like super talented people. Like we have options. Like we don't have to settle for this. Like we don't have mm-hmm. to, you know, agree, like we don't have to just say this is acceptable and it's the way it's always has been. So it's the way it always will be. Like, you know, we should all as people that love this game, consider us ourselves stakeholders. Right. And like making it as good as it can possibly be. Like I'm a firm believer in, the institutions that you love should also be the ones like that you scrutinize the most, right? Like you hold them to a high standard for a reason and it's because you love them. Um, and so that's how I felt like, and I just rage wrote, a, I, I don't write columns often and I don't write out of anger often, but when I do, it feels very good afterwards and like cathartic. Um, And like judging from the response, I think a lot of people were feeling the same way. Yeah, it was, I mean, reading it, it was just like, uh, you know, the Meryl Streep gif. I was so, I was so happy to see, I read it out loud to my mom and her boyfriend because I was like, this is so good. And it was, uh, we want, we're going to talk about more about this after the break, but it's, you know, a lot of females in the industry, it's like, we've just had so many things like this and it's like, no, like, and, and people don't understand a lot of, I had a lot of male friends be like, well, why would you be offended by that? I'm like, you don't understand what it insinuates and what this is, how he, this is not a a misstep. This is how he believes women are and their value of them. And that there's been problematic statements that Mike Milbury has said before. And I am just so happy that you called him out and it looked like 
uh, it looked like a lot of people listened to that and read your article. We've got a whole lot more of Katie Strang. We gotta take a quick break. We'll be back with her on Drinks With Things. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's the Cooligans. Hello, I'm Christian. I'm Alexis. Okay, we are two stand-up comedians, and we host uh, the funniest soccer show you've ever seen. That's right. We love talking about soccer. We're wild. We're silly. We have no idea what we're doing, <laughs> but it's a fun ride. And we're on Fubo every Tuesday and Thursday at 8 p.m. That's right. Fubo Sports Network. Do it. Like what you're hearing? Check out Drinks with Binks on Fubo Sports Network every Friday night at 8 p.m. Stream it on the Fubo TV app, Roku, Samsung TV, and more. Oh, and don't forget, it's BYOB. Sorry, startup life. Hey, I'm Anson Carter, and I'm having drinks with Binks. Welcome back to Drinks with Binks. I'm JSB. We've got Katie Strang from The Athletic. And just to wrap up on some comments, we're talking about her piece on Mike Milbury. Um, What do you think uh, comes from something like this? Uh, I mean, immediately, I think, you know, they're going to probably have to, like, consider going forward whether that's someone they want to give another shot to or if they want to canvas and see if, like, they have talent that, you know, might sort of serve a wider audience. Um, And I think that's, you know, I think that's actually a really critical point that needs to be made here is like, you know, this is not the first time that Mike Milbury made these comments, right? Um, And in this, you know, like sort of the last one, the straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak, was, you know, the last in a litany that had happened already in those playoffs. So at at some point, you know, when he transgresses or makes an egregious comment like that and offends a whole bunch of people, um, the next time he does it, it's not on him in my mind. It's on NBC. It's on Sam Flood, right? Like he knows he knows what he's getting. Um, and so if they do bring him back, I mean, they have to know that that's part of the equation and that, you know, if there are, you know, future incidences, I think that, you know, there will be more people who are probably having to answer some tough questions about, you know, who, which audience they are trying to serve and why. Yes, that's, uh, that's very well put. And I think a lot of other networks will take note too of certain types of people that have on air and different leagues. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about your work. You recently tweeted about a show that I really like, Shit's Creek. So you must do things outside of writing, Katie. Uh, not a ton of things, but Schitt's Creek is like one of the few things I do outside of like work and writing and working out. Um, I love, I mean, Catherine O'Hara is just like a goddess in my mind, just like the ultimate queen. I have like, I was so looking forward to going as Moira Rose for Halloween this year. So I'm like very bummed that, you know. It's probably not going to happen because of a pandemic. Well, um, maybe you could do it at home still. Yeah, I've been I mean, doing might, a lot of dressing up at home. So still have some fruit wine. You know, when yes. yeah. there's not an opportunity for that. Um, I was so happy to see that cast like clean up because like that's that that show like was very um, instrumental in like um, when I had had my first daughter um, and I was like I would watch it when I was like up up late at night um, breastfeeding and um, it's just like the loneliest like darkest hours of the night. You're like sleep deprived and hormonal and irrational and like that like brought me so much joy and like just 
laughter at a time that was like very difficult. And I feel like everyone, I feel like Schitt's Creek has become like so many people's like little morsel of joy and like feel good during the pandemic. And like, you know, I think they've spread so much like wonderful messages about like inclusivity and kindness and God knows we can use more of that. I know. I, I love that. And they, uh, yeah. And, and Dan Levy, of course, with, you know, winning all these Emmys for all these different things. And then mentioning, um, yeah, bigger issues that people should be involved in. And as you know, just sort of using the platform for a good cause and just great, great acts Canadians. So I mean, it's just like uh-huh. it's a par for the course just uh, was great night for Canada. Okay. We have to take a break, but we will say Goodbye, I guess I'll give away that um, when we come back after this. Hey, everyone, Montel here. I need to check out my brand new podcast. Let's be blunt with Montel. We'll be having kind of conversations about cannabis, wellness and everyday social issues impacting your everyday life. It's all about empowering you and giving you the information you need to make it through your daily life. There won't be any BS. There won't be any hidden agendas. Just honest, interesting conversations. So make sure you tune in to the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's all about a blunt conversation, and that's what we intend to have every day. We've had a great time catching up here with Katie String from The Athletic, and you definitely have to go check out her work. Uh, Katie, where can everyone find what you're working on? So theathletic.com, you can find my work on the NHL page, um, also on our Inc. page, which is like enterprise feature reporting. Um, also my Twitter handle, Katie J. Strang. I think that's my Twitter handle. Um, but download the Athletic app and it's super user-friendly and easy to find. Um, and you can look up by author name. Yes. And if you aren't a subscriber, you 100% should subscribe. It is worth the money. The writing is incredible. Not just Katie's, of course, but so many so many authors across many different sports and also what you guys can do is um subscribe to our youtube page hello how are you not doing that yet uh fubo sports on youtube as well instagram twitter uh what else we got a podcast this is podcast format on spotify and apple so you can go listen to that now after you've just watched it and we are back drinking and binking we don't i was gonna say we don't take a day off but we took last week off i took last week off but we are definitely aren't taking any more time off going forward because i won't be allowed but we have had an awesome time katie cheers thank you so much and continue to keep on rocking in the free world you too lady mother's day is almost here and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from movement whether your mom is into classic dress watches rare and refined ceramics or tried and true bestsellers movement has something she'll love and right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off 
at MVMT.com.